Hi everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Slide Roll Pass podcast, your weekly football podcast brought to you from the makers of Slide Roll Pass blog. In this week's episode, we're going to take a look at our club's fortunes and club corner, the weekly roundup domestically. We're also going to take a little look at what's happening in the news and the European fixtures as well. I'm your host, Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my pal who always smashes it down the middle from 12 yards. Mark, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I've never tried a penanka room in your life. Um, <laughs> I don't think you'd probably break your leg if you tried it, baby. I was going to say, I'd probably lose an ankle or two if I tried that. <laughs> well, hey, mate, episode 10. When we started this, who would have thought we'd get to episode 10? Bloody hell. Well, yeah, well exactly. It's, trust me, I'm to do episode one, so to get this far <laughs> is um, it's quite an achievement, isn't it? Absolutely, mate. But listen, we've got plenty to talk about, as always, mate. Uh, obviously, Championship kind of drawn to a close, Premiership rumbling on, European football. So let's kick it off and then let's start our little trip to Club Corner. Okay, so it's time for Club Corner, two very different Club Corners this week. And I'm going to go first, mate, because we played on the old Friday Night Lights uh, against High Flying Leicester City. I feared the worst. I thought we were going to get absolutely fucking annihilated by <laughs> Brendan Rodgers' High Flying Foxes, mate. How wrong I was yet again in the in the match prediction. So just have a little look at how we lined up in that game. A couple of changes. Um, Joe Willett came in um, for Sean Longstaff, who's a little bit unlucky to be dropped for the proverbial sloth that is John Joe Shelby. I think that captain's armband makes him undroppable, really. Uh, and uh, weirdly enough, Emil Kraft came in the defence, which filled many people full of dread for Kieran Clark. Uh, but to be fair to Kraft, he didn't have too bad of a game, uh, which he, he could have had a really bad game, given the fact he was up against Ineacho and Vardy. But weirdly enough, um, Leicester were incredibly off they just it didn't look right there was a, a funny thing that happened at the start of the game where johnny evans was in the warm-up johnny evans was down to start johnny evans pulled up he was limping and he had a bit of a heel problem or something like that he had to go off and obviously he was replaced by mark o'brien so it's a little bit of a jiggle around um they, they brought one of the guys back from midfield in defense and uh, it just seemed to really throw leicester off the game completely so so we started the game you know, we, we were again fearing the worst, thinking the Leicester got absolutely annihilated us here. Kind of balls move around quite well. Um, the the player is it uh, is it Sancho or something? I can't remember his name. He he looks like something like a fucking Highlander with long hair and that. So he, he gets caught out, tries to be a bit cocky, uh, thinks he's Franz Beckenbauer, does a little Cruyff turn, and credit to Joe Willock, absolutely superb. Robs him, robs him the ball, nicks it in front of him. Great finish in the far corner by this lad. He just gets better and better every time we see him play. Um, second goal comes in. It was Haley's Comet flew by my window. Uh, Paul Dummett smacked the header in to make it 2-0, which is incredible. Uh, and then it got even better. 3-4-0. and four nil. Callum Wilson looking just as sharp as Callum Wilson's ever looked. Pace, power. You know, Leicester just couldn't live with him. Lovely little run towards Schmeichel. Um, kind of goes by him. It must be said, Schmeichel did make an unbelievable save early on in the first half against the maximum, which should have scored. But Wilson just made a mug out of him, kind of moved his way to one side, slipped it away, and then he gets through again. It with a great ball through. Leicester again, too high line, way too high line. Shearer ripped it to pieces on match of the day. And Wilson finds himself in space. Lovely curling shot, comes off the post, and then he somehow manages to put it in with his left foot, which was, he kind of like kicked it to the ground and it, and it went in. And I'm sitting there in absolute disbelief. You're texting me going, what the fuck is going on here? And I, I could not <laughs> believe what I was watching. We were 4-0 up against Leicester, Champions League chasing Leicester. It was just weird. It was like some kind of parallel universe where, you know, they're really shit and we're really good. I had to look, it wasn't Keegan on the sideline instead of Steve Bruce will playing that well. Uh, you know, but it wouldn't be Newcastle if they didn't give you a little heart attack. Obviously, so Leicester pulled a couple of goals back. You know, any actual 
and you know a great finish. He should have been closed down, but he's on fire the lad at the minute. Brilliant, brilliant end to the season. He's having even though Leicester are wobbling a little bit, you know, and he he, he smashes one in and all Brighton, I think, smashes one in as well. You know, and and they make it a bit nervy for us, but but we get over the line with four two and uh just a brilliant feeling to, to win on a Friday. You see Newcastle on a Friday and you just think that's my weekend. Fuck really, you know, I'm gonna be miserable all weekend. Uh but great result, great win. Um I loved Callum Wilson. After the game, I don't know if you saw his, uh, his, his post-match comments where <laughs> they said, oh, yeah, you know, you kind of went around the keeper and he went, yeah, classic Wilson. Uh, I don't know if he was taking a piss or not, but it was, I love the arrogance, to be fair, mate. But, uh, yeah, a brilliant win. I was bowled over. I didn't expect it. I don't think any Newcastle fan did. How did you feel watching that as a neutral, mate? I, I don't think anybody expected it, did they? You know, <laughs> you, you look at that game, you think, well, you know, Leicester have had their, had their little struggle and th- there is the worry that... that you know they'll they'll do a, a last season and, and, and fall away again. But mm. you just thought Newcastle coming to come, coming to Leicester on a on a Friday night, they'll put this one away, put everybody's yeah. you know fears at rest, and and that'll be it. And right from the word go, Newcastle were were at them, and it was it was where's this side been hiding all all season because it was just nothing like we've seen at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they took their chances, uh, like you say. You know, Schmeichel made that unbelievable save early, oh, early brilliant. doors. Yeah. Um, and you know that was that was very Schmeichel-esque. I think as I <laughs> as I put it in me in me text message, um, it was uh, yeah. So they set the the stall up right from the beginning. You're right. The the high line from Leicester was it was as bad as Liverpool's high line was at Villa Park. Um, yeah. Early on in the season, they didn't react to it at all. They just allowed that, that those balls through time and time and time again, okay. and especially with Wilson's was, pace with Wilson's pace. Yeah, you do that, both. yeah, maximum exactly. as well. So maximum, so maximum of a quiet game to be fair, which again is a really good thing from a Newcastle point of view. We won four two against the top four side. Yeah, okay. maximum was, yeah, exactly. was anonymous, you know. So, but yeah, you, you don't play that high line against a guy like Wilson with that turn of speed. Just mental. I didn't get it. No, and if you if you get caught once, fair enough. If you get yeah. caught twice, come on, drop, yeah, drop ten yards. But, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, not even, you don't even have to drop that far, but just react. Mm. But, and they didn't at all, and they just continued to play the same way. I think the Johnny Evans um, thing massively affected the, the, the way they were playing mm. or, or the way they were going to play, um, and, it, and it properly screwed them up and. You know, Newcastle took full advantage of it, and oh, Jesus, were they deserving of that win? Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, we've kind of been saying for, for weeks now that Newcastle are probably safe, and at the time of recording this, it's not looking very good for Fulham, to be fair, against Burnley. Um, so by the end of this podcast, we probably will be mathematically safe. But, you know, it, it was a great win. You know, Leicester were bad. You know, we admit that. When Newcastle fans, you know, we're, we're realists. You know, we're not going to sit and think, oh, yeah, we're amazing. All of a sudden, we're back to being the entertainers. You know, we know Leicester were poor. Leicester are way better than that. And then they should have annihilated us, really, with, with their players. You know, yeah. Vardy looks very off the boil. Um, but, yeah, you're right. That that defensive change around just, just really threw them completely. It's almost like the whole game plan just went to the toilet. Um, but, again, yet again, that lad stand, stands out, Joe Willock, getting the first goal, mate. I mean... That's five goals in 11 games now for Newcastle. The same record as Alan Shearer had when he first signed for Newcastle. So he's, he's in pretty esteemed company, isn't he? He is, absolutely. And he's he's just been different class since he came. And, 
you know, you wonder why he, he was he was sort of out of the team and and not starting when when you look at how well he's done. But mm. you can, you kind of can't knock the way that they've used him in a sense because he's come on and made a difference in games. He started this one and and absolutely, you know, he's just been brilliant. And you look back and think, what could Arsenal have maybe done with him wow. during the week? And you know, they were screaming for a goal during the week and. That they needed somebody just to pop up from somewhere with something special, and he's got that in his locker just to just to arrive late and or nick the ball like he did um, off Sunchu, and and he's he's a great finisher as well. So you know that they, they, I know some Arsenal fans tend not to not to like him or, or think that he he had a future with them, but they seriously got to be rethinking that now and. And want him back in the fold for next season. They can't really. They they, they can't be looking to let him go. Surely, you, you, you've got to think that. I mean, Arsenal fans. You know, if you if you're listening, please. You know, uh, you know, put in the comments below what you think about about Joe Willick. You know, like and subscribe. Uh, let us know your opinions. You know, I, I wrote a piece for the blog about Joe Willick being the key to uh, Newcastle's kind of turn around of form, really. You know, so check it out on the Slide of Pass blog and the and the link above. But. You know, he, he has been a real breath of fresh air. I don't think we've had a box to box midfielder like that probably since Gini Bernaldum first came to us, you know, and he was doing that kind of stuff. He was box to box, you know, and he was just this this massive bang of creativity. And we were like, wow, Christ, look at this guy. You're getting a back and forth scoring, headers scoring, this scoring that. And a lot of Joe Willock's goals are very different as well. So he's got variety in his play. My worry with Newcastle is just typical Mike Ashley's Newcastle, unambitious, happy to stay 17th won't bother, you know, putting the money in that's required for Willick, try to get him on loan again. And at that point, you know, somebody like, you know, maybe a West Ham or a Leicester or even a Villa might come in and say, we'll give you 20 million for him. We'll have him, you know. So that that's the bit that worries me a bit. And, and, and it plays into some of the backlash we've had today. Steve Bruce had an interview today with um, Talk Shite, I mean, sorry, Talk Sport, um, about, uh, you know, how things are going now. He's He's pretty much safe and he's done such a great job. And it was with um, Simon Jordan and Jim White and Danny Murphy was there as well, just getting the waters or something. I don't know what Danny Murphy really does in Thug Sport. Um, but Bruce was coming out with some outlandish Bruce-esque comments, you know, and you would have thought the last few months, just chill out, be quiet, you've done, you've done well, just get on with it. You know, but he said some crazy things, like so Maximum was out for five months. His longest he was out was 35 days. So I think Steve needs a new calendar. Um, to be fair. And it was just, you know, it, it was everywhere. I mean, check it out on, on Twitter, guys. But, you know, mate, you've lived through Bruce-isms as a Villa fan. What was your take on that bullshit interview earlier on? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was one of those. I had it, I had it on earlier on and, and just sitting listening to it. This The stories about, you know, everybody that he meets, you know, wishes him well and, you know, they don't they don't want him to leave. And, and, and you think... You know where where's he going? Is I think he, he's honestly just he goes out and meets his own family because it's the rule of six, isn't it? He's letting he's letting them in the garden. <laughs> there's so there's so few Newcastle fans that I've come across that that say that they they want him to stay. Um, I think there was one that was was on earlier on that said that he was he was happy with the job that he was doing and, and things, but it's just yeah. His name, I, I, was his name Alex? <laughs> <laughs> I think it must have been, to be fair, but you know, it just he, he does come out with some some utter garbage, and and today was no difference. Um, 
getting your facts right. I mean, he's saying about the, the five-month thing, it goes back to his comments the other week where he was on about his back-to-back -back wins. I, I don't know which, you know, we, yeah. we talked about it then, you know, he, he got a draw and a win, so Mate. I, I don't know, he just, well, he makes it up as he goes along. He does, he does, he talks absolute shite, but he won't spoil my joy for that result, because it was a really good result and I was really happy with it, you know, and it does make us mathematically say, don't get me wrong, it's still a shit season, I'm not happy with it, I don't think any Newcastle fan really is happy with it, we don't want this again, you know, and we pray that something happens in the summer, I'm not using the T word, but we pray something happens in the summer, and we can look forward to passes new, but enough of my club, mate. Let's move on to your club corner. And it wasn't that enjoyable for you the weekend, was it, mate? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, you know, our our long and horrible run um, continues against Manchester United at home, and it's just it's become it's almost become a joke now, and it, there almost becomes a point where there is no point in in even bothering because the the last time. We, we beat Man United at Villa Park in the league. It was 1995. It was the first game of the season in 1995. It was the, the game where Alan Hansen famously quoted, um, you'll never win anything with kids. Well, they didn't win that day, obviously. But No, but they did win it all, the bastards. Thanks for reminding me about that as well, mate. That's yeah, really cheering um, <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's so frustrating um, to... And we were we were in the game for for, for quite a long a long period. Um, obviously, the starting lineup remained exactly the same as um, as the previous week. You know, I, I don't think we were going to make any changes based on the, the performance against Everton. Um, a few changes on on the bench, um, but yeah, it was it was one it was an odd an odd start. We we started poorly. I mean, we. Not that we showed them too much respect. I don't. I don't think it was, was that. I think we were we were over eager um, in the way that we we press and and it looked like we were we were running at them for running at them's sake and trying to close down players when it was then leaving others wide open. And we saw the first sort of ten ten minutes or so where Luke Shaw had so much space down that left hand side that um, he. You know, Matty Cash wasn't getting any support at right back. You know, from Traore ahead of him, and they they had overload really on, on that side all the time, and they they created a few chances as a result of that. And then we got a we got a hold of it, and we got back into the game, and it was it was good to see the way that we we started to play with a bit of confidence and and not paying them too much respect, and actually going, Do you know what, we can actually play against you lot. Um, and and I think that, that led to the goal. Um, Louise plays the ball into to Troyer, who does a, a nifty little turn on the edge of the box. He gets a bit of luck. I think it's Lindel Lindelof that the ball sort of bounces off and goes straight back to his left foot. Um, and he just unleashes a worldie across oh, Henderson into the top top um, top right hand corner. It was just what a phenomenal strike. And that kind of that sort of set the tone for us. That that gave us a lift, and, and you know we can we can get something here for once. Um, and we sort of got through to half time. United had a few chances, but we looked fairly comfortable. Um, Watkins got booked right at the end of the first half for a, a challenge on Maguire. I think it was. And yeah, yeah. He got he got, but it wasn't a clever challenge. No, so maybe. He's, 
it was a little late and probably did deserve a yellow card. I'm not going to complain about that one. But in hindsight, you look back and think we should have saw, we should have seen what, what was coming um, because of that. Um, it's one mm. of those ones where you watch a match of the day match of the day, and they show somebody get booked, you know they're getting going to get sent off later on, and it felt like that. Yeah. Um, second half, yeah, was just frustrating. I think we we just allowed United just to dominate the ball. Um, it was just naive defending on two occasions. Um, obviously, it was Louise gave away a penalty. Um, I'm not going to say again because I don't think the one at Old Trafford was deserved. Yeah. It just involved the same players. It, it was it was a rash a rash challenge. It was it wasn't needed. Pogba just got off up, you know up off the floor. He was heading away from goal. Um, there was really nowhere for him to go other than pass it back further away from goal, and it, it just felt like Louise was over eager to try and win the ball back to try and almost kind of go you know i'm back in form I'm, I'm back doing the job and he was just too too eager to get there and and, and gave away the penalty and I, I had no argument with that I, I think it was a stonewall one um bruno does his little prancing horse how how did the keeper not suss that out yet well, the, the, <laughs> Do you know the, 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 I've watched it back again and again, and you look at it, and Bruno's in the air, and Martinez has already moved. And as soon as he moves, that gives Bruno the, the, the you know, the information to go right. Okay, I know which way to go now, and he's got so much time while he's still midair to decide where he's going to put it. Mm. Um, you could see Martinez shift, and he just set himself to go right, and that was all Fernandez needed to. To, to know and then the second goal you know it, it's, it's it just seems like sort of almost typical Villa you get one and one comes along four minutes later there's Wan-Bissaka played the ball into Greenwood and, and Tyrone Mings again just misreads it um, overruns the the sort of the the defence and he he, he, he sort of plays it as if he's expecting Greenwood to take it and turn on his right in, and he just let the ball run across him. So he, he took it on his left instead. By which time Mings was behind him. Um, he, again, it's I think naive defending it, just not reading the, mm. the play well and too eager to, to kind of get there. Mm. Um, and again, frustration with the goalkeeper because the, the shot goes through him. Um, you know, it goes under his arm, I think. And, you really should do do better with it. Um, so yeah, back two one down. I think we heads dropped at that point again, and we didn't really look like getting back into the game. Um, and then the third, you know, it's I think actually I can't remember the order of this now, and it, I think this is it's just blurred into one. So there's the. The third from Cavani, it was a, I mean, it was a great run and a great header. Um, mm. Frustrating that, you know, you're not stopping the cross again, and it looked like yeah. my target could have made more of an effort to, to go and stop it. But, you know, it was a great ball in and a great header. I'm not going to knock that. Um, and then and there's the handball incident, the other end. Um, 
it comes from a Barkley corner. I think it's Fernandez that gets his head to it and flicks it away. And as it drops, mm. Louise goes in for the header with Greenwood. Um, and he and he gets the he gets the head first, and it and it hits Greenwood's arm. Um, and I just brought that up, and mm. it's, you know, you look at spot the difference. Well, exactly, and you look at it, and you go, well, one was given, and one wasn't. Mm. Um, you know, Dyer has his back to to Carroll as he heads it, and, and his arm swings up, and you know, it's given his handball. You know that. Greenwood's arm is almost in an identical position, and that one's not given. And it's I mean, just the Carroll was a ridiculous pen anyway. Even though it was my well, team, it was a ridiculous pen. It should never been given. I, I just think, and, and yes, I agree because I said at the time that it should never have been given as a penalty. But I think the frustration for me is if one you've kind of set a precedent, and if one's given there, then the other one is. If the first one's not a penalty, then the second one I don't think is a penalty. It's well, almost like they think still, we're going to forget that, though. They think we're going to forget these oh, decisions, you know, as football supporters, just mental. But they, do they talk about the arm being in a natural position? I'm sorry, but that's not a natural position for us arm to be in. So, um, no, that's just, that was annoying. And then sort of right at the end, Watkins um, gets sent off for a second yellow card um, for, a supposed, for a supposed dive. You know, he's oh, running through sort of on um, towards Henderson and he, he gets a, a sort of a toe on the ball, knocks it, it the ball goes past the, the keeper and he he does go down easily. But mm. you look at it and you think, what what does he what do you want him to do? Do you want him to run in and just completely clean out Henderson and and he'll get sent off that way? Or you take evasive action by going to ground and, and sort of softening the blow. But you look at the replay and the there still was contact mm. and it, it's not even checked. It's not, you know, it's just, he gives, he gives the, 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 the free kick for the dive. He gives the yellow card and send them off, but it, I don't even think it was checked. And you look at the replay and Henderson's foot makes contact with his knee. Now if you can debate whether it would have been soft or not. And I think if it's given at the other end as a penalty, I'm screaming at it. But mm. it's not a booking. You, you can have that and it be not a penalty and not a dive. If he's mm. taken evasive action, it's not as if he was rolling around on the floor screaming for a penalty. He, he stood on the floor. He did look back and fair, yeah. fair enough, but it's just one of those that just, you, and there's no recourse. There's no chance of appeal because it's a yellow card. If it was a straight red, you could appeal it. You can't mm. appeal a booking, despite the fact that it's still a shit decision. And that's just, it just leaves a, just a bitterness in, in you. And I, I am a bitter Villa fan this weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I, I, I think I wrote yesterday that it's just not frustration anymore. It's just, when you play Manchester United, it's just inevitability now for us that we know what's coming. Um, I think since that win in 95, we've won two games against them, one in the League Cup at Villa Park and, and one... Um, I think it was 2009 at, at Old Trafford with a with a Gabby header. So huge you know, bogey side. I mean, we're like after Spurs. We're a Spurs bogey side. You just you know have that team. You have re real trouble having results against, don't you, mate? So. It's ridiculous. I mean, we've got a few. I think Newcastle always won for for us as well. well. We could yeah, just never, day, never get a result <laughs> result against them. And, uh, yeah, just it's yeah. frustrating. 
Um, Dis- like disappointing. Say, yeah. yeah, another game without the main man as well, mate. Exactly. Um, so he's he does look to be back in training, um, Grealish. So we'll see whether we, we get him back. Um, maybe not this week um, against Everton. Could be the weekend. You know, you just hope that we get to see him before before the end of the season. Um, I mean, there's the potential that if he doesn't make it back before the end of the season, we might not get to see him in a Villa shirt again. So, That's you know, exactly. we really want to, we want the chance to, to be able to watch him, watch him in that claret and blue again. So, fingers Absolutely. crossed he can make it. Yeah, especially with fans returning as well very soon, you know, which we're going to come out a little bit later on. You know, if he is going to leave, it'd be great for the, the Villa faithful to be able to say goodbye, mate, as you, as you rightly say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Newcastle and Aston Villa fans, let us know in the comments below if you guys agree or disagree, you know, with our takes of the game. <clears throat> I'm really happy to engage with you on social media, you know, either on Twitter, uh, Slide Road Pass blog, or in the comments below. So for now, we're going to leave the club corner. It's time to look at the weekly roundup and domestic action. Okay, so we're going to have a look at the domestic roundup and, and we're going to kick off with the Premier League and have a little look at some of the results that unfolded over the weekend. So we've already covered um, you know, the top game there, obviously, as you, as you know, in the club corner as well as the Aston Villa game, but just some of the other key results, mate, in the, uh, in the weekend's fixtures. There was a bit of a rehearsal for the Champions League final with Chelsea and Manchester City and it was a Taylor two penalties, wasn't it, mate? <laughs> Absolutely was, you know, there's... Yeah. Yeah, so go on, you go. <laughs> I was going to say, the first one uh, is, uh, is our winner of What the Fuck of the Week, which was uh, Sergio Aguero's ridiculous Penenka, um, where he had the chance to put <laughs> the City ahead in a crucial game to win the league. He decided to take the stupidest, like, you know, pissed up Sunday league penalty or six aside penalty you've ever seen in your life. As a keeper, mate, you'd have laughed your balls off of that, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, this is what I always, I always have a go at keepers for. for committing too early on penalties, you know, a little yeah. bit like Martinez did um, against Fernandez. You just hang up for some. Harry Kane, you know Harry Kane is going to, usually is going to hit the corners. So you have to pick a side and go. But for, for some of the others, you know that they're a little bit more crafty and they'll try odd things. So just if you can delay yourself ever so slightly, like Mendy did, and just yeah, hold... sit and read the newspaper, didn't he? Oh, he practically sat sat in his arse, got back up again, went to get a cuppa, and then came back and caught. It was just, and it smacks of what it was one of those things where you just think that was all about him. And I think that was all about him. Good and selfish, didn't he? In the press, it conference. was absolutely, yeah. and I agree with it. I just think in a game like that, when you've got the chance to then bury the title, um, and that. That would have that would have put them two 0 up, wouldn't it? And, and you would have done it, yeah. and and you just think, okay, the the title's won then, pretty much. I mean, it is anyway, but you know, to to take it at that point, just put you almost be really dinosaur about it and put your laces through it. Just make mm. sure it goes in. It's it's one I'm of those such a they, player as well, a yeah, senior player that was really disappointing. That the, the frustrating I think, thing is, it, it, they look great when they come off, and you you, you look back at the, the few over the years that that have come off. You know, York for Villa did did one I think against Arsenal and against Seaman. Yeah. Um, you've got the, the Pirlo one yeah. against England, yeah. and and you just think, yeah, there's a time and a place, but I, I just think, and that at that time, if you're two or three nil up, fair enough. I can almost forgive you for it, but at one 0 against Chelsea, 
mm. um, who are playing very, very well. There's just you just you 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 go for the win. You, you're not gonna just start pissing around with the with your penalties. And he's he's shot himself in the foot. I think I, I just and I think it's probably been said earlier on today as well. But does that cost him his potential place in? In the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, because you, you lose your trust in a player by, you know, by doing something like that. You, yeah, you, you you lose people's trust because at the big moment, is it all about you or is it about the team? And at that point, that was all about Aguero. And as, as brilliant as he's been for City, that was very selfish. Oh, you're right, mate. I mean, you know, like like you say, he was. Um... You know, from a player of his kind of seniority, you would expect it a little bit better. But, but you know, kind of going back to the other penalty, the um, the, the goal scorer, the first goal, um, Sterling, which uh, actually should have been Aguero, but he kind of fucked his touch up as well. So he had a bit of a shit day all around. Um, so, so Sterling's running through on goal, and Zuma's chasing him. And very clumsy by Zuma. He's wrong side. He's, he realises he's wrong side. He's never going to catch Sterling. He's kind of running with his hands up. And when you watch the replay, he knees him in the back of the thigh, as Sterling's full pad, I think he stands in the back of his legs. Sterling goes down like a sack of shit, and then Zuma kind of falls over himself. And there was no penalty given by the referee, so there was no reason for VAR to check. And um, on instant replay, it was a stonewall penalty, mate. Really, wasn't it? Clumsy by Zuma. I, I, think, it, I think it was. I, I think you're right. I think there were question marks over two two challenges on Sterling. The first one, I think, was um, was was you know was a perfectly good challenge. That one was just yeah, it was clumsy. You hate to see them given against you, but I, I think you, you can't argue. He, he's in. He's you know he's he stopped him um, being able to sort of get to the ball, and it's a penalty um, yeah. for whatever team that I'm sure that should be given and it should be checked and then and then should be given. If it's not given by the referee, it should then be checked by VAR and 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 made to, the referee made to have a look at it again. So. Yeah, it's um, very poor. Yeah. It's very poor, mate. You, like you say, yeah. there's no consistency or continuity. So, so yeah, I mean, great win by Chelsea. Whether it, whether it tells you how the Champions League is going to go, I don't know. You know, because Man City are capable of stepping up another two or three gears, but that'll still be an interesting game to watch. So, going on to some of the, the results that stood out. Uh, Leeds smashing Spurs 3-1. And uh, just a reminder, really, of the beautiful football the Leeds play. Breathtaking stuff. Pace, you know, through the lines, just constant running. I think Bamford even took the piss, didn't he, and said, "Can I get Monday off or something?" And he went, "You can get next Monday off, <laughs> something like that," because they just run them so hard. But I love watching them play, mate. What a side! They are, and you know, I know we've 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 had our issues with, with Leeds over the last couple of years <laughs> and things, but they're brilliant to watch. And great team, you know. Really, Hugo Lloris is is the difference in that game that that keeps the score down because they could have easily scored five or six, and um, yeah. you know they they were terrific and as good as they were, Spurs were equally as bad, and mm. I think that's I, I think that puts the nail in 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 the coffin really for for Kane, you know. Yeah, and I think so. I think we, we we definitely see him away at the end of the season, unfortunately mm. for them. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's um, yeah, it was it was a really good result, um, and just another reminder of, of of what Leeds are capable of. And first season back, they're in the top half of the, the league and, and deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think if they had a more clinical striker, I think they'd be fair at the league, to be honest with you. I think that's something that they should invest in. Set and a half, um, more clinical striker, maybe a, a good number 10 to kind of piece it all together. Because um, they've got they've got it sewn up everywhere else and you know a joy to watch. And I, I'm really looking forward to what they do next season. But one of the results, um, kind of to wrap it up on the Premier League, Arsenal 3-1 against West Brom, sending the baggies back down. It was kind of inevitable, really, wasn't it, mate? Shame for the baggies. Not so much shame for the manager, who I think is a general shit house as most of us do. But uh, you know, shame for the baggies, mate. Shame for the baggies, surely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's um, it's yeah, but do you know they, they've put in some good performances recently as well, and you kind of almost thought that they might might be the one that would take over from from Fulham of having the best chance to to get out of it. But mm-hmm. results slipped again, and you know they just they were never never quite good enough this season for the odd result um and it's and it's costing their place now and you know arsenal just were, were a little bit more ruthless um at the weekend and they could have really done with that in midweek and and it shows that sort of jekyll and hyde um sort of side of of arsenal as well because they mm. they really they looked like they were they were going to score on you know against west brom and and early in the week, they just didn't look like they were they were ever going to find the back of the net. So, um, yeah, just yeah. I joked about it before, but yeah, it's, it is sad to see the baggies go because it's always fun when we play them, and regardless of, of the results, and we've done pretty well, you know, with them recently. But yeah. um, it's another it's another derby that disappears, and you know, it's uh, they'll they'll have to contend with just playing Blues next season. Well, that's exactly it, man. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because just think about West Brom just before we leave the Premier League. If it stuck with Slaven Bilic, would it have been any different? Who knows? Uh, it's it's probably one that you, you second guess for mm. forever. Um, probably not. I think there's probably an argument to say they might have gone down even quicker um, with, with him in charge. He could have turned things right. It's we'll never know. It's it's a really difficult question to answer because you it just is, is. you've got no you've got no way of being being able to answer that with any sort of fact and no no could have well, gone unless you unless you're a West Brom fan and if you are please say in the comments below who well, if you think you would have stayed over Slav so they, they'll know they'll know better than any but I think they knew time was was sort of up yeah. and a lot questioned that it was done really early and and maybe didn't give them the chance to to sort of write it but. Yeah, I think. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I think there's the potential that if he if he had have stayed, that they could have just suffered even more and, and gone down even quicker. But yeah, like, very, very I say, we'll never know. Yeah, very possibly. Well, you know that that's two down. So Sheffield United, West Brom. It's not looking very good for Fulham. Um, as as we sit right now, they're, they're getting beat by Burnley. Looks like they're heading back to the Championship as well. You know, we we are still a little bit lively in the top four spaces there. You know, you've, you've obviously got Manchester United, Chelsea and Leicester locked in there. West Ham obviously struggling a little bit, but there's still enough games for them to maybe try and get ahead. But if we look at some of the upcoming fixtures um, in the next week, you know, there's a few big games there that might decide some of those some of those places, mate. So just kick us off on Tuesday, mate. Tell us a little bit about some of those games. So, yeah, I think, well, United kick off their first of, of two games in, in sort of three days. And if, I think if they... If they lose one of those games, then the title's done. Um, if they win both and then City win on Friday, um, then the, the title's done at that point. 
The interesting thing with Leicester is that they're only six points ahead of, of Liverpool now and, and Liverpool have a game in hand. So mm-hmm. you could find that, you know, if, if Leicester lose um, to United to, on Tuesday and then Liverpool beat Manchester United on Thursday, then that gap's three points. And this, you, you know, there is that, there is still that, um, the, the game there. Um yeah. And then it comes down to to the weekend, and and Liverpool play West Brom, and you, you'd fancy them to get get the points there. So the you know, a lot wrote, wrote Liverpool off a little while ago of getting that into that top four, and we could see the the horrible prospect for Leicester of of dropping out of that top four for a second season running, and it's just yeah, this catastrophic. I mean, they have got a cup final as well. They concentrate on having, you know, it's in, uh, you know, that that's a chance of silverware, isn't it? So they you know, they can't really afford to rest any players, and they can't afford to have any injuries either. You know, unlike Chelsea, I think who probably will against Arsenal on that Wednesday rest players because they can afford to. They've got Champions League final, the FA Cup final. You know, they're looking pretty good in the top four, and they've got squad depth. You know, which is what splits yeah. these big big teams, isn't it, against the rest of them? And yeah, I mean, so there'll be some interesting fixtures coming up there. You know, a couple of permutations that can decide where the title goes, where the top four goes. You know, but I think by the time we get to those fixtures, there's a good chance that Fulham are going to be relegated. So anybody else in that bottom kind of half Maya, um, my team, for example, will be all right. You know, so so speaking of heading to the championship, that's where we're going next, mate. So let's jump into uh, the championship and have a look at a busy a busy weekend. So yeah, I mean, obviously there's the the final championship um, table of the season. So the the three that went down in Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham and Wickham, and it was a it was a really sort of dramatic final day of the season. Um, obviously, everything at the top was all sorted beforehand. It was really just really the four teams at the at the bottom that were, were any sort of um, issues going on. Wickham with their goal difference were always kind of already gone, so it fell down to. To Derby versus Sheffield Wednesday um, and Rotherham at, at Cardiff, and it was it was a real roller coaster of a day. And you know, it was you know Rotherham took the lead fairly early on. What a goal as well! Oh, it was a stunning <laughs> strike by Lewis Wynn. Um, in that sort of game, in that with with what was going on to hit a ball that sweetly. Mm. Um, it's just stunning. He scored a couple of uh, pretty good goals over the last couple of weeks, and that was just, yeah. it was phenomenal. Um, and I think the same old problem for, for them, though, they, they couldn't find that second goal, and mm. they had a number of chances that, that could have put them two up um, to, to give them that bit of breathing space. And and then right before halftime in the in the, the Derby-Chef-Wed game, Chef-Wed took the lead, um, there's a little question mark of offside, but it was it came from a long throw-in. Uh, Jordan Rhodes header, and um, it was saved by the goalkeeper. And to me, looking at it, the goalkeeper's got to do better to move that to the side rather than back out into the middle of the goal. And it was just there to be to be just poked back into the the net. Um, so that that sort of had that was Rotherham safe at that point. Um, Sheffield Wednesday jumped above Derby, but they weren't. You know they weren't safe. They, you know, they still had to hope that that Cardiff got back into the game. Uh, and meanwhile, Wickham were winning. I think they were two 0 up at that point um, against Middlesbrough and, and having a, 
having a, a merry old time up in, at the riverside and reminding everybody actually what a good good little side they are and their manager was great he was so positive you know but when either they went down saying this team's championship quality we're going to get back up oh, and it was it was really refreshing to see i mean i was i was, I was quite impressed with him. I, I do like gareth ainsworth he, you know he's a, he's a he's a proper proper football man and you know he's got he's got wickham in his veins really hasn't he and it was um it's just nice to see them doing even though they went down doing well and and they are a good footballing team they are a good side and you know they were they are the by far the smallest budget in that league but they were still competitive um and then yes yeah, sort, of, sort of second half starts and um derby got back into it so um we it one one and then they went two one up pretty quickly afterwards um it was a it was a pretty good good finish as well um by patrick roberts you know kind of a reminder of, of what the, the you know the quality that he has mm. he was at Celtic um, for a while my dad loved him at Celtic. he was brilliant yeah so, so yeah. it's you know it's just a reminder there and then sheffield wednesday got back into it again um and then took the lead and it was just backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and the point in which sheffield wednesday took the lead um in that second half cardiff then scored with with two minutes to go and for a for a brief second sheffield wednesday were were safe um but then the the penalty um for derby with um obviously waghorn put away and you know, it was a it was a clear penalty for mm. for the foul, um, but yeah, I mean that that penalty was just in that in those circumstances to take a penalty that well it was, and for somebody who had barely scored in the last sort of 25, 30 games, I think his record would he got one in twenty five mm. or something like that. You know, Pressure. two two on the day when he's, you know, he. he that game had already been delayed as well because he clattered into the post in the first half. It nearly took it. I mean, it looked like it almost took his head off. Um, but then to, to play as well as he did was just was just phenomenal. And, you know, Derby survived by the skin of their teeth. Um, obviously, Rooney's, does he get the chance to, to continue next season? It, you know, and I think there's a lot of Derby fans want somebody to come in that's got more experience in in that mm. but i suppose we'll see whether whether their um their sort of takeover is resolved and and whether he does get to to keep that opportunity in um and and try again next season with a with a full season um but then the other games that i think the the other the only talking point from from the fl was was really just one we picked up was um was about um blackburn's adam armstrong and you know, it's, uh, it's a stat we picked up um, uh, over the weekend. So it's a, he hit another hat trick um, this season. So that's three um, so far for the for the season. It's actually two in his last couple of weeks. He got one in a a five two win over Huddersfield, and obviously another one in a five two win um, against Birmingham City. But it, these the it's the most in the championship since R Ricky Lambert scored four um, in 2011-2012. And the last Blackburn player to score at least three hat tricks in a season was uh, was the famous Alan Shearer. 
back in well, the <laughs> disappeared a little bit didn't he didn't do much so, no that's um, exactly well that that's our very first father's facts so there'll be plenty more of them coming <laughs> up soon but uh, yeah i mean i was good when armstrong went to be honest i think i was one of the biggest mistakes rafa made um let him go permanently and uh, i think he's really excelled in the championship and i don't think he'll be a championship player next season i think he's destined no, for the premier league that's it 28 goals again this season um he, in that side as well you know exactly in a side that finished what 14th or 15th uh, mm. you know he's he's a he's a goal machine um and and i think he's put himself in the shop window for for a lot Definitely. of premier league sides um so yeah and then we'll, we'll go go down so quickly go over um league one um again you know bottom end of the table there was all resolved before before the start of the 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 day and it was really sort of the that last um, playoff spot that was that was up for grabs. Um, and Portsmouth started the day in sixth, um, but then they lost one 0 to Accrington Stanley. Um, Oxford um, blew Burton away um, and and jumped above them and, and took that spot away. Charlton beat Hull as well on the day. They did all they could really to. To kind of try and, and, and nick that spot at the last, but it was Oxford's all day. They were they were they were so good on the day and fully deserved the win. And, and they go into to play Blackpool in the playoffs, and and Sunderland will play Lincoln as well. So that's that one wrapped up. And then in League Two again, um, the the bottom two um, were already relegated. Um, Cheltenham confirmed their their title. Cambridge won. To finish second and, and Bolton won to to finish third. Um, the other playoff places, I think they moved around um, a couple of places, but the, it was the four that started the day in, in those spots. I think the story there it, it, in in League Two was was Bolton, and you mm. go back to to early February, they were nineteenth and and struggling and amazing to run, oh, yeah. just just brilliant and I. I've always had a, a little bit of a soft spot for Bolton, um, and it sort of goes back to the kind of Allardyce days there. And mm. when you look at some of the players that that were at Bolton at the time, the you know the JJ Cotches and the the Campos, and, and it's just Jogaev, Jogaev, yeah, yeah, they, yeah they were really players, good. Man. They were really good to watch it at one point, and yeah. it's sort of sad to see that the way that they've they've gone. Excuse my cat there. Um, <laughs> The cat had something really to say. Very important. Exactly. <laughs> so she's talking about talking about Bolton's old days, and she got excited. Yeah. Bless her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, always had a little bit of a soft spot for them, and it's nice to see them. You know, after all the problems that they've had, to start getting back on on the right track, and hopefully, it's it's the you know a sign of things to come for them. They're back in League One, and yeah. hopefully, they can go on from there. Um, so Biggest yeah, fingers that, that crossed. Was, yeah. Yeah. Great scenes, though. I saw the interview from the Bolton manager when he got interrupted on Sky and he, his, his players mobbed him and drenched him. And that's what football's all about, man. It was, it was brilliant to see that. Awesome. Absolutely. And when you've been on a run like that and oh. you deserve you deserve to celebrate like that. And yes, that you know, they didn't win the title. They still had the shot on that day of, of doing it. But the other, you know, the top two both won as well. But that run has just been unbelievable and, and they fully deserve to go up. Um, and hopefully, like I say, it's a sign of a sign of positive things to come for them. 
Fantastic. Listen, and best of luck to every, every team in the playoffs. It'll be great to have fans back yep. there. Obviously, uh, good luck to everybody except Sunderland. I'm only joking. Uh, you know, <laughs> but it'll, it'll, be, it'll be great to see the playoff games because they've always got a bit of excitement in there. But for now, we're done with the, the EFL roundup and it's time to move on to the news section. Okay, so it's time to have a look at what's in the news this week. And uh, kicking off, we're going to look at the Champions League final uh, because there is some news that the game was supposed to be in Istanbul, as everybody knows, uh, but it's now on the red list because of the coronavirus, so it might be getting moved. There's been a couple of uh, different venues mentioned. Villa Park, mate, was, was the one that was mentioned. Uh, they it threw was, the yeah. hat in the ring. Uh, that's the closest you'll get the Champions League football of Villa Park. I'm only kidding. That's, that's no way. That's no way. Uh, you know, and I think Wembley's chucked that's the name cool. in, the, in the hat as well. But So just a gentle reminder for you guys who didn't notice uh, how the Champions League League finals kind of teed up. So uh, obviously, Chelsea. Been living under? <laughs> I was going to say Chelsea, a great performance against Real Madrid, beating two 0 to progress. Yeah. You know, City beating PSG two 0 fantastic. So we've got an all English uh, Champions League final as we touched on before. Chelsea versus City, Istanbul isn't going to happen. You know, so yeah. there's a lot of heavy links to Chelsea uh, to to Wembley, but obviously it might be a little bit too close to Chelsea's backyard. So I think that's why Villa was mentioned. But it makes sense, really, doesn't it? Moving it to a different venue. Yeah. It, it sort of would, especially if you've got limited numbers, then to move it mm. somewhere in the middle where you you haven't got, uh, I mean, yes, you're going to have more people travelling, I suppose, but it is in the middle. You're not going to overload in, in the centre of London, um, you know, to, to have, you know, folks from, from Manchester coming down and obviously from, yeah. from Chelsea going in. But then they've also talking about potentially having the final in Portugal, that's the latest that's sort of come out today to mm. say that Portugal, so, you know, that, that they've sort of thrown the hat in the ring to say, well, we, we can host it too because they're, they're not on the travel ban list or anything. So imagine um, how much they're going to charge for a flight to Portugal, man. They're going to rip the fans' just, eyes out. And, and where you've got the, I suppose, where you've got the opportunity to do this and do it in the country where both teams have come from, you then, yeah. the, the points you score by allowing, more fans to to go to the game because yes there will still be a lot that would 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 want to travel um but where you're keeping the the travel down because of what's going on at the moment that it just makes sense to to keep it in this country and you know Wembley would be ideal um you know it is the biggest stadium but if you're going to limit the number of fans that we've, we've sort of they've talked about in having 10,000 um or 25% of the stadium whichever's less then it, it sort of makes sense to have it somewhere in the middle where you can, it is a, a more neutral venue. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and, and Villa Park's hosted some massive games well, over the years, F, FA Cups and stuff like that. So, Well, this is it. It was always an FA Cup semi-final venue. It's got good transport links, um, both by road and, and, and rail and things. So, you know, it, it, it does make sense sort of to have it there and, and have a little bit of a bias because then you get to see the Champions League at Villa Park. But, it's um, yeah, it would it would make sense? But I think obviously just anywhere in the country, in this country, just in the UK, because both teams yeah. are from here, because you want to limit the number of people that are traveling, then it just it just makes more sense. It would, it would definitely make sense to me. So so that's the Champions League situation where we're at right now. But obviously the Europa Cup final is is on their cards as well. There's no talk about moving that venue, um, but. You know, just anyone who didn't know how that panned out, obviously Manchester United had a huge aggregate lead and, they, you know, they, they did get beat off Roma 3-2, but they progressed. Um, Arsenal, um, a nil-nil duck against Villarreal, really poor. We uh, we kind of covered it 
on the uh, on the blog uh, we wrote a, an article about Arteta um, I think I wrote one a while ago saying is Arteta good enough for Arsenal and then I followed it up with Arteta's got to go in my opinion I think the experiment hasn't worked uh, that game was testament yeah they've they picked up a couple of wins in the Premier League, one against a really below par Newcastle, one against a dead and buried West Brom. But, you know, not good enough really from Arsenal, mate, was it? No, not at all. It just, it, it, it looked a laboured sort of performance. They never really looked like they were going to score. Like I said before, mm. you know, they, they were a little bit more ruthless at the weekend. You needed that. And yes, Villarreal were, were very good. They defended very well. But you, you expect... Arsenal to be able to create more chances and be more dangerous than they were, and you know Villarreal ended up they they deserved to they deserve to go through, and you know it's a it's a missed opportunity for Arsenal to to kind of get back to the the Champions League um, because that's what awaits the the winners essentially. So you know it's I think we we look at it now, and I think I think it's it's United. So I think I think so. I agree with that. Huge favourites now. Massively, you know, they've got the experience and the pedigree and I think the players as well, like Cavani and guys like that, really experienced veterans of European football, Pogba, I think they'll do really, really well. But just, you know, moving on to the next news story and sticking with Arsenal. Arsenal are in a real state of flux, you know, probably the worst season's finished they've had in a long, long time. We talked about this in the last pod and it's gathered a bit more momentum from them. So the, the Spotify owner, uh, Daniel Ek, is reportedly reading a £1.8 billion pound bid uh, for Arsenal. Thierry Henry was on Sky the other day and he did mention it, that he's involved, he's backing it, him, Vieira and Bergkamp. Arsenal, really poor season, you know, very rookie manager. Some good young blood coming through and Smith Rowe and Saka and guys like that. But, you know, Arsenal are bigger than this. And if this guy does, you know, take over, you know, not only will he, he give them a great playlist, but he might give them a great players list as well, to be fair. So uh, what do you think, mate? Yeah, you'd, you'd hope so. And I think for Arsenal fans, it's frustration at, at, at Kroenke and, and the way that the club's been run recently. And they, I don't want to use the phrase, they deserve better because I think they are where they are. Um, yeah. You know, the you you end up where you you deserve to be and right now they are where they deserve to be they don't deserve to be any higher um mm. they're not playing well enough no. they're not being run well enough to to be there they need a huge change and maybe the the change of ownership is is the way that this this comes about now if that happens i mean i can't see cronkies the the cronkies giving up just because somebody else <laughs> is interested um, they seem very stubborn, though. They're not the kind of guys to give up too easy. Very like the Glazers. So. Yeah, and 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 I suppose fair enough. That, you know, it, it's it's their business at the end of the day that then they're not just going to walk away just because somebody says, "Oh, look, I'll give you some money." It's got to be the right deal for them. Um, but if they get the right deal, then I hopefully for Arsenal and the, and the fans that they they can then see some progress. Um, whether that's with or without Arteta, I would, I'd hasten to guess that if if somebody new was coming in to own the club, I think Arteta might be on the way. I think so, um, and it would you would then look at a at a bigger, more experienced name coming in to to take them forward. So we'll we'll watch this space over the over the next few weeks and months and see if if anything does happen. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, Henri was on the sky and obviously talked very passionately. You know, he loves the club and obviously record goal scorer. And he kept referring to Arsenal's DNA, you know, getting the DNA back in the club, the DNA back in the club. For me, Arsenal lack identity. You know, when, when we were growing up watching Arsenal, we saw the transition from George Graham to Arsene Wenger and then Arsene Wenger reinventing that side again. You know, so they were either big and strong and, and, and tough as nails, you know, and kicked you all over the pitch and won one nil under Graham and then started to progress with a bit of that and then also bringing the flair and the skill and the pace and then you know Wenger had them just playing total tick-a-tacker type football passing the movement cutting through the lines and they didn't win as much as they did under that you know Invincibles team but they were really good to watch and you knew what you were getting against Arsenal but this Arsenal team now just lack any identity they're not hard you know that they, they don't keep it tight they don't they don't play on the counter they don't pass it around they're just and you know kind of a nothingness side you know and they're you know, for, for a supporter like myself who supports a team that basically lives in the caves of mediocrity, I don't think Arsenal are many miles away from the kind of season that we've had, in all fairness. <laughs> Do you know? It's, I think, it's, uh, well, in, in, in sort of, in, in their terms, no. I think it, it's it's been a season probably just as bad because mm. they would expect to be a lot higher given the ground, given the way that they've, they've, they've performed in the past. But for the last sort of three, four years, they've just been, they've been awful. Um, and they've 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 ended up like I said before they've ended up exactly where they deserve to be because they're just not good enough and you're right they they lack an identity as a side there there are some great young players there now and maybe they they can they can build that identity mm. but there are some still there are some big glaring holes in that in that side that that need to be you know need to be filled and and get some experienced players in. You know, I think Aubameyang is, he's not the striker he was. And I think we'll, no, no. we may see him go. No, they, you're right. They miss, they miss somebody in that, and, and we've said this for donkey's years, they miss somebody in that central midfield area to dominate that 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 area and mm. and be that that real bastard of midfield that, that they've had in the past and, and just put the fear of God into other, other players, not afraid to get their foot in, but doing it well, you know. Granite Shaka doesn't mind a tap challenge, but he's pretty dreadful at it at times. Um, and he, yes, he can he can score the odd worldie from now and again, and and he has some good games. And you know he's really kind of come back into into sort of favour with with Arsenal fans after what had gone on. But they do miss, uh, you know, a a real defensive holding player or somebody that. That can boss that midfield, that a Kante style player. That yes, yeah. he's not he's not that that pure defensive midfielder. He he really does work at both ends of the field. But mm. he's he's great at, at reading the game well. They need somebody like that, um, and and they need it. Like I say, they they probably need now a replacement for for Aubameyang and the defense as well. You know they've got great players. You know either either sort of side going forward and in either side of the back but the centre of that defence is is a huge issue the centre of midfield is Absolutely. an issue and the centre yeah. forward is the spine of that team really that, that needs reinventing um, and they, so, that was the bedrock that these successful Arsenal teams were built on in the past but yeah. just to finish on was just finish on Arsenal whoever comes in next season whoever owns them next season it's the first time they won't be in Europe for 25 years so that tells you everything 
you know, you need to know about what's going on with Arsenal at the moment. So moving on to the next story, uh, Jose is back, mate. Yeah, some people might be happy, some people won't be happy. And I was a bit devastated when I seen him sign up to talk sport. I thought he was going to the football graveyard or retirement home. Um, but he's taken over at Roma next season. They still love him in Serie A. He's got a very good reputation there from his time at Inter Milan. And, you know, people need to remember, Jose may have not won anything at, at Spurs. Had he been managing for that cup final, he might have, you know, because that was a typical kind of game that Jose would have probably won. But... 50 odd percent win ratio when he left, mate. He's still a good manager. He didn't become shit. Yeah, right? I think, I think they, they, they were in a bad run, and, and I think that's a you know, there's a lot going. Um, the, the, the team itself is sort of uh, have lost a step, and we, we, we've seen that under, under um, Ryan Mason as well. That something not quite right there across the whole, the whole thing. But you, you bring in a manager to, to get you to finals to, to win trophies. To get into that top four, you're on the verge of a cup final, which you've asked him to do. You're on the verge of challenging for the top four. There was still the you know the potential that they, they could get there. And you sack him at that point. And I, and I get that they were in a poor run. It just seems like a... And I think we said this last week. It just seems like a, an unbelievably stupid decision at the time. Because he, he's kind of almost done what you've asked him to do. Yes, results are tail, you know, tapered off a little bit. But you're in a cup final in sort of five days' time, um, at, at the time at which he was sacked. And those are the types of cup finals that Mourinho thrives on, that, mm. you know, beat the odds. And it just... It's crackers. Uh, I still it didn't make any sense. <clears throat> it didn't make any sense to me at all. No, no, and, and I'm glad to see him back. I, I do like Jose, and, and I hope mm. he does really well at Roma. And, and Roma, you know, they're a good team, and, and hopefully Absolutely. then they can. They can and, and you know, Serie A is is in a bit of flux again. Obviously, Inter winning the the title. Juve, I think, are now fifth. Um, so you know, there's 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 question marks over over Perlo there mm. and. So you know, and Milan seem to be back in, into contention again, and, and and they're doing well. So we could get get Serie A back to to level that you know we haven't really seen from from them since you know the old sort of football Italia days and on oh, Lazio days. Yeah, just, <laughs> God, what days they were, mate. Everybody, God. everybody at that point we knew we used to watch that religiously oh, and absolutely yeah. watching watching the live games and. Yeah. Um, what is it James Richardson with his Gazetta football and stuff yes. like that? So they were Gazzetta, great days of Faggio, all them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I think Jose will do a good job at Roma, mate, because he's you know, you know what you get with Jose, he'll come to a club, he'll do well, he'll spend well, he'll you know, he'll he'll, he'll get them back up to where they need to be. I mean, they, you know, they just got to the Europa Cup semi final, to be fair, so they've done too bad, but you know, I think I think he'll, he'll certainly do, do a better job there. But but sticking with Jose's former club, so. Who's coming in to replace him at Spurs? You mentioned Ryan Mason there. Still not working with Ryan Mason either, so he's not the answer. So the, the latest kind of betting odds, even though he's distanced himself from the job, Brendan Rodgers is still 9-2. to two. I've got no idea why he would leave Leicester to go there. Parker, Scott Parker, weirdly enough, who was Fulham was just about to go down. Apparently Daniel Levy's a big fan, 4-1. to one. And uh, Nuno Espirito Santo of Wolves, 7-1. to one. What do you think about those three for Spurs, mate? I think yeah, and, and I think another one that, that was mentioned is Potter as well from Brighton. Just I, I think mm, he's yeah. not to—he's more of an interesting shout because 
they're, they're a good football inside Brighton, and and they you know they uh, he maybe do, it's maybe it's a little bit too early for him, but mm. that almost seems like a good fit. Um, My Martinez Nuno, is as well from Belgium yeah, after the Euros. Does, does Nuno move on from Wolves? I think you you know you've got that that link obviously the the whole Portuguese link with with mm. George Mendes and um, how that. You know, will, will, does he walk away from that? Because he, he's got a, a good production line of, of sort of Portuguese players that are coming through um, through Wolves at the moment. They'll start singing um, the Portuguese national anthem there, mate. They've got a well, bit of Portuguese players. There, there are enough of them. Um, part where I, I, I can't see. Uh, no, know, too early for Parker, as, well as, for me. as well as he's sort of done with Fulham. And yes, they've got, you know, they're, they're on the verge of going down. But, you know, they did really work well last season under him. And, you can kind of see what he wants to do with them. Yeah. But again, maybe it is just too early, a little bit like Lampard at, at Chelsea. It was maybe just one step too too soon for him. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see. But there's some interesting names there. I suppose it, we'll wait to see what, what Levy does. And Levy, you know, he, he marches to the beat of his own drum, doesn't he? So he'll he'll, he'll do something that nobody expects, probably. So mm. um, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep our eyes on that one as well. Well, whoever it is, it's going to have to do it without Harry Kane, I think, as we as yeah. we rightly touched on before. So one of the the transfer rumours doing the rounds is the Glazers trying to curry favour with the Manchester United fans. Are apparently, reading a ninety million pound bid for Harry Kane. But as we've seen, um, I think tonight on Monday Night Football, Gary Neville was more akin to talking about Sancho being the man that's coming in who Dortmund have made available for like 85 million quid um, and with Cavani signing an extra year's extension do you really think Harry Kane's all traffic bound mate? I don't think so I, I think that I think the Cavani ex, you know years contract is um, yes, there goes the cat again <laughs> categories the categories yeah it's the slide rule pass cat version <laughs> of the podcast this week um slide so rule yeah, they, yeah so with you know with cavani um signing that one year deal I, I can't see it you know they, they've, mm. they've obviously got um they've got cavani in there it's um that's one of joe Litton's shots that's just come through your window I there. So, yeah. <laughs> um so obviously they've got Cavani, you know Greenwood, Rashford, Martial. Um, I can't see them spending ninety million on another striker. Um, if that's going to be enough for me, is that going to be enough? Is that be one hundred and fifty? Well, yeah, I don't know. How much is he worth? Well, I think this is the thing. I think he's he's possibly not worth as much as some would suggest. Mm. It comes down to how much is he worth Spurs, and this is the the argument that we have we've had about Jack Grealish. Absolutely, you know, Palace and, and Villa were ridiculed for for suggesting that they wanted 80, 90, 100 plus million for these players. But mm. yes, on the on the market, that's they're not worth anywhere near that. But they're worth that to the clubs that they're at, yeah. because to be able to replace them. You need not only probably to bring in one player because you're not going to find one player to, to fully replace. You're going to have to buy two, three, or four to build, to you know, to boost the squad. Um, so, I think 
90 probably feels right, especially with Kane's injury issues with his ankles and stuff. And True. He does miss a big chunk of football, doesn't he? First um, season, he does miss a bit, doesn't he? But, yeah, it's... it's I, I can't see him at United. I, I think... I think I think City. Right. I think he's City bone, mate. I really do. I think he's going to City. It's an interesting one, you know, and that, that kind of brings us on to, to the City link with, with Lewandowski as well, doesn't it? Because they've been... That's how I left it. <laughs> it is. I mean, just crying out for a striker like him to, you know, mm. to be able to, to, to score that number of goals. They, they don't really have that in their side. They've got plenty of forward players, but nobody who, who will consistently score 30 goals a season. Mm. Lewandowski will do that. I think it's your cat's crying out for Lewandowski as well, mate. I think. Honestly, it's just <laughs> driving me crazy. Um, you, must, you must have some transfer sources here, your cat shouting away about different different buys. <laughs> um, but no, it, uh, you know that the, you know the, they're still sort of in the in the link with with Haaland as well. The, does he go mm. there? Personally, does he come to the Premier League just yet? I can't see. I can't see anybody splashing that amount of money on Haaland just yet yeah. because. Because he's got that um, release cause to kick in next year, um, so he may stay another season at, at Dortmund unless somebody like Madrid come in. But we know about their financial worries. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it, there's a there's probably a few that will be on the move or, or huge rumours that will will carry on across the summer. Um, Caden, I think, will we'll definitely move on. It's just where he'll land. It's you know, I, I think possibly City might be the might be the best best bet there. Do Liverpool come into it if they make champ the Champions League? Chelsea are sniffing can, as well, apparently. Chelsea are keen on yeah, them too. So. Um, you know, both of them that probably possibly need a striker. Um, certainly Liverpool, when you look at them in. In, in the lack of goals from their their central striker, um, if they if they can bring in somebody like a, a Harry Kane to play with with Mane and and, and Salah or or one or, or or others, depending on whether Salah moves on, that that could be a scary prospect again. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's um, we'll, again same line. We'll see. Um, That's it. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting, obviously, talking about City and talking about Kane's potential arrival. Obviously, we all know Aguero's leaving, and some of the rumours doing the rounds is that he's very close to tying up a free transfer to Barcelona. Very interesting that, you know, Barcelona got rid of Suarez, some would argue, you know, too soon because he looks like he's about to win the league or Atletico Madrid. He scored about 18 goals or something. So, I mean, Aguero could come in and fill in that, that void left by Suarez quite well. And obviously, him and Messi have a great connection. I think Messi's his god father to his son or something or vice versa so that might be a little ploy to keep Messi happy as well what do you think mate Aguero at the Barca I think it's a good move for him uh, you know it gets him it gets him that that comfortable lifestyle I think with, with Barcelona yeah. where he, you know he can he, it's he's not familiar surroundings at the club but he's this familiarity there for him um, and yeah I think it's a good move for Barca as well bringing in somebody with, that has the, the goal scoring record that, that Aguero has and you know replace almost replace that um you know the the, the fact that they let Suarez go yeah I think Griezmann stepped up a little bit this season and has yeah, scored some goals but but again they having that central player and I think Aguero will 
will give them give them something a little bit different to what they've got now. So yeah, it's a, mm. it's an interesting move, and I think it is probably the best one for them. Absolutely. And just to finish on the last kind of transfer diddy that we've heard doing the rounds is apparently Liverpool are ready to cash in on the Ox, apparently. £17 million price tag. Borussia Dortmund are interested, but with the news, congratulations to him and Perry Edwards that uh, there's an impending little mixer on the way. I can't imagine he wants to uh, leave uh, the UK shores too soon. But, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the Ox, mate. I think it's a great player. Big injury risk. You know, yeah. he spends a lot of time on the treatment table, which is the only thing holding him back. But when he's fit and firing me, he's a brilliant player. I'd, I'd love him at Newcastle, but I don't think he'd ever come in. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and you have those moments where we've seen him for England, where he's been absolutely brilliant and, and, and a difference maker for them. And he's just struggled to, to shake off some of the injury issues. But maybe a, another, fre another fresh start for him. And, you know, he's, he's sort of... I don't think he's going to break into that Liverpool starting starting no. lineup now, and he, he possibly needs the move to to be able to to get on with the rest of his career. And you're right, with a little one on the way, would he want to move? Um, it, you know, I, I can't see with you know with obviously Perry being part of Little Mix. Is she going to want to move move away from from the UK and, and away from the the ban unless that comes to an end? Um, or does he stay in the UK and, and, and sort of head to one of the one of the next sort of few down? At, you know, we, we talked about West Ham and Everton, possibly Villa. You know, Leeds maybe. So we'll, 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 we'll see. be a good signing for Leeds. Actually, Leeds need that attack at midfield. He'd be a great, he'd be a great move there. That's a good shout. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'm big fans of the Ox at Slidewell Pass, and whatever happens, let's hope he moves to moves to a good club and gets the best out of them. Stays injury free. So that's us done for the the kind of. Um, transfer stories we're just going to end on a on a different football news story doing the rounds on social media now we must say this is not proven it's alleged uh, that people might have seen this doing the rounds there was a video of um a gentleman who looked incredibly like ollie mcburney from sheffield united um accosting some young lads um came over bit of a scuffle phone hits the floor he stamps on the phone and then the video looks looks like he's need the kid in the stomach and again we can't stress anymore this is all alleged nothing's been proven or disproven that it is or isn't ollie mcburney sheffield united reportedly investigating the issue um if it is him doesn't look good mate does it no not at all um like i say we, we don't know if it it definitely is it does look like him and i think that was what's what's come out we don't know what's gone on beforehand um, yeah, but regardless of what's gone on beforehand, there's no justification for for starting to to, to you know to assault somebody like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to bring strong repercussions for him, both legally um, and well, club and international level. Because mm -hmm. if if it is, and you know, you know, I can't see that Scotland can can have him back in the, in the side. Does he stay with Sheffield United? Um, it's, a, it's a really tricky one. Could be a contract termination scenario, I think, really, in terms of gross misconduct, if if it is indeed proven to be him. But yeah. uh, it is doing around on social media. I'm sure everybody's seen it. Um, you know, and I'm sure we'll find out, you know, in the coming kind of weeks and months if it is actually 
Holly McBurney yeah. and, and obviously you'll have a lot of explaining to do but as Mark rightly says I don't know what happened before and you know Ben Stokes had a similar scenario uh, you know in the cricket in the world and, and that was obviously proven to be a little bit different than what people first thought you know the initial glance of the incident so so we'll keep an eye out for that moving forward but for now that's us done with the news well, that's full time this week for the episode, guys. Thank you very much for watching. And, uh, you know, if you like this kind of football chat, please remember to like the video, click subscribe. You know, we'd love to have you on board in the next episode of Slide Rule Pass. Thank you very much for talking football with me as well, mate, this week. No, thank you again. Um, it's uh, it's always fun. And, uh, you know, this wonderful game gives us plenty to talk about, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. You know, if you guys are listening to the audio, you know, please uh, just remember to leave us a comment on whatever podcast and platform you listen to. If you want to check out any of the articles we've referenced today, or if you just want to have a little look around some good football content, you know, please visit the website, the slide will pass in the link above and have a good pick through of the articles that we've got. So for now, me and Mark are all done. We're going to go off and practice our Paninka penalties for next week. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to seeing the next episode of Slide Rule Pass, guys. Absolutely. I, I may end up doing the next one from hospital if I try a Penenka penalty, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I might smash the other window of the cat, Mr. Thing, if I do mine. So, uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, guys, come back and join us next time with Slide Rule Pass for more football banner. All the best. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.